Welcome to a road edition, at least for me, of the Boston Header Podcast. I am Chris, aka Not the Fake Webby. I apologize for the audio quality; it is not the best. Um, I am back home in the mitten, um, and of course, I am joined as always by Albertius, aka Jake, aka Hal, all that stuff. All right, let's get it out of the way early. Congrats! Woo! Congrats on your win. I owe you a beer whenever you're closer in town. Yeah, <laughs> whenever you're not working during you, the week, and I'm you here and for... your you and your bad habit of being in town by being uh, like still seventy, like eighty miles away. It's it's a bad habit of yours. I like to come there when it's warm in the summer. <laughs> to Jake's neck of the woods. It's a little little cold for oh, me right now up there. Uh, yeah, being around me in the wintertime has scarred you enough, huh? Yes, very much so. <laughs> so I ran away from this cold and went to DC. <laughs> All right. Um, shall we get to the uh, the news of the week here first? I guess, like we yep. always do. Um, we'll we'll skip over to Cade's debut in a minute. Obviously, uh, that happened twice since we last talked. Mm-hmm. Uh, in other important news, we still suck, but we suck one less than we sucked before. So that's yeah. good. Pistons got a win. Uh, and suck- and and who called and- it? Did we Who call it? it? I called it. I was okay. like, this is, Congrats. This is, this is our win. This <laughs> okay. is what we're going to win. Um, we have uh, the kitties went down to the cruise, so that's nice. Um, mm. It's interesting. They didn't. Um, Luca was there last night, right? So uh, did they recall them already? I don't know. The point Luca is they're, they're now like bouncing back and forth because he was one of the assigned we- people, I thought. He was 100% in the game last night, which, I mean, they can move him back and forth as need be, but he definitely played last night. I know that one for a fact. Um, <laughs> I watched him, and I was like, what? And Saban, too, right? On? So, so yeah, uh, played as well at the end. They, I guess they've already come back. Um, but, you know, either way, that broadcast that they will be working with the crews, those guys, um, at least practicing with them. I don't even know. Can they make them do two a days? <laughs> can they? Yeah. Can they? Can they practice with the Pistons and assign you to the crews now that they're in the same practice facility? <laughs> I mean, it's possible. Like, you get Watch to go back and, and you get to do the four PM practice with the with the crews. Um, all right. I'm really thinking other, about the logistics of it. <laughs> right. Other uh, really big news: new kit, new court. What'd you think? Mm-hmm. The kit. When, at first glance, I was pretty underwhelmed i'd say with another uh, another red jersey they love the red uh but after getting a bit more of a look at them like okay that it looks intriguing enough especially when i got to see it on cade and when they had him as the model during the game against the bucks <laughs> i don't i don't think i would be the, i like the joke that uh, uh i think greg had where he's like the pistons model for this year cade <laughs> yeah. um, well, that was I, I was joking uh, when I first saw it when I first saw that press release because I was like, "This is a Cade photo. It's not like the jersey's not lit for like you know a jersey. Like this wasn't a modeling photo for the clothing. This was a modeling yeah. photo for Cade, who happened to be wearing the new jerseys at the time." <laughs> yep. <laughs> so at first I was pretty underwhelmed with them, but after looking at it a bit more, I'm like, "Okay, I kind of want to see these in person. I want to see how they look. Um, I think they'll." I think they'll look better in person than they do, much like the uh, past uh, city edition that we had last year, where it looked a lot better in person than it did uh, looking at it, you know, in pictures sitting on the ground. So 
Yeah, I, my like one concern with this jersey is uh, that like I I just don't think it's gonna have any like sticking power. Like I don't think I'm gonna remember this jersey in like five years. It's gonna be like, wait, we had Motor City jerseys, you know, like the, the back in the sleeve era stuff. Like you just kind of like flash back to those. There's just something about this one where I'm like, it's fine. It somehow manages to like check a bunch of boxes without making me feel super excited about any of them. Like that's not a teal, you know, yeah. having, having that is not, does not count as teal. The reds like slightly off the red we want. Uh, there's just like a bunch of little things. The one thing I will say, I really hate the leg patch. Uh, oh, really? The, the Detroit Pistons, like the all blue logo, but they removed one of the outer circles of the logo, um, like on the basketball lines. They removed mm-hmm. one of them, and I forget exactly what the text says. But I look at it and it just screams like tennis club to me. Like it, really? I just I don't really get why we had to like butcher the logo again. Either stick with the motor horse that you put on the belt buckle, or stick with your regular logo. And like I don't mind the all blue. I just I don't understand why we're cutting lines and continue like. You have a, a stupidly simple logo as is that you've already changed yeah. a lot from its original Bad Boys days. Like, if anything, go back to the Bad Boys logo for for a jersey. Like, if that's your crossover jersey, I, just weird to me. Yeah, I felt like they were going halfway towards that. I'm honest, I didn't even notice that. Uh, you know, the, the logo there. Um, yeah, they're they're the two thigh patches. Yeah, I don't think like most of the jerseys that I saw through the through the programs. I went through all the the other NBA jerseys, none of them seemed incredibly memorable. Like there's a couple that are going to be good. Like the, I like the Hawks Jersey. There's, they brought over the, what was it? The well, Suns and this year's and the theme was the, uh, it was city matchups or mashups, excuse me. So they took, yeah. the intent was to mix and match a bunch of the other ones. Like the OKC ones are all white ones, but they, they're laid out the way the, the blue ones with the vertical white stripes were in like the Kevin Durant days. Um, I, hate those. I don't know if you remember I, I, those. Uh, those are so such a boring uniform. I hate it. Those are some of my least favorite ones in the book. I would say. But, I, uh, I, do, I know what Jordan's talking about. Yeah. The, yeah. The yeah. And like the Hawks one, obviously, like everyone remembers those Hawks jerseys and stuff. Like, so they're all mashup jerseys, um, which is why these feel like just particularly weird to me because it's like they pick the weirdest things to mash up for the Pistons jersey. Yeah. But I would say the thing that makes me most upset is like this would be the best time to. Like trying to do like a mashup of different jerseys. Now's the time to bring the teal, with maybe some less uh, in-your-face elements. Like bring back like kind of what, that. What the, would you what be more into for? this if it was teal, base color, red lightning? Yes, hundred percent. I can almost guarantee that I would be more into that. Yeah, um, and like I'm not against red wants. jerseys. I just I don't like this. This red's just like a little too candy for me. I want something just like a little deeper and richer. But anyway, it is nice to have. New kits that are fun. Um, and uh, I like that we have a new court, just mm-hmm. in general. I'm still enjoying the new court that we have. Uh, the That that whole thing has worked out really well. We still haven't seen, I think, the 313 court. I don't know when we're going to see it, but they do have... I don't know if you've seen the all-blue court. I don't think I have seen that, actually. I don't think about it. I'm trying to picture. Yeah, it's, so it's, it's like the same lines, but it's got like three one. It's like the three one three branding. It's like all mm-hmm. blue, um, all Pistons blue lines. So I don't know when we're going to see that. Um, 
All right, one last thing that we never covered because I didn't remember that it happened. Did you know the NBA is using new basketballs this year? I did not know that until I saw it somewhere on someone was I think it was Paul George was complaining about it. I didn't even notice that. I didn't know that they went to a completely different brand. I was they like, switched what? to Wilson <laughs> instead of Spalding, which is like sinful to me. Spalding is the goat. It's uh, blasphemy, honestly. Yeah. Uh, but like, as soon as I learned that, and it, and uh, I think it came up on uh, the Bond and Cardigan show a couple days ago, and then I heard uh, um, Steve Jones Jr. and Nikias Duncan talk about it on. Uh, uh, the dunker spot, excuse me. Um, and like it, that slipped under the radar big time for me in a way that it should like, that's a huge change that explains yeah, a lot of random shooting and ball handling errors. Like immediately I'm just willing to forgive them because having a new ball, like it throws me off and I'm trash. Uh, yeah. you know, for these guys, like, a lot of them have like very specific wear profiles they like on their balls. Like they, they want like, mm-hmm. you know, X thousand of dribbles and they know exactly like what level of, of grip they want, you know, on a Spalding ball. Uh, I, I just like, I look at someone like Sadiq Bay, um, you know, who's had some shooting up and downs so far, like everyone on this team. Um, <laughs> you know, it's just like, okay, I know he's tweaking his shot a little bit. He's raised his, his uh, release point a little bit because he used to push it right from chest level. But, like, how much is having a Wilson ball part of that? Like, is that worth 2%? I could I could buy that easy. Just it, – it'll be really interesting. I know uh, uh, James Edwards said that uh, players have complained to Casey about it and Casey has talked to the NBA about it. So, uh, yeah, just a, that's a that's a fascinating story for this, you know, first half of the season, really. Yeah, I'd imagine the Pistons players are far from the only you know players in the NBA complaining about it because, like I said, I've seen. I, I'm pretty sure it was Paul George was talking about it in the media, and that's how I first uh, noticed it. But yeah, I, I'm. I mean, I'm not incred- incredibly surprised that it kind of got not necessarily swept under the rug, but just like like this change went under the radar. Uh, just with all the talk about the new, you know, foul rules and the, how they're calling the shooting fouls much differently, that was kind of the talk of the town. And then this, yeah, just kind of took a took a back seat. But it's still, I think, just as important as the new foul new foul rules. So, it'd be interesting to see if. So people, I didn't have know, that on my list. But how do you feel about those? I mean, overall, I'm pretty happy with it. I think right now there's definitely a lot of like, like I have James Harden on my fantasy team and watching him play, especially against the Pistons. You can see him just kind of go. What? like what? like what are you talking about and yeah I there's de- there's definitely been some like really bad no calls but i i also think like we have not seen like pretty immediately everyone was like oh i'm just not gonna do that anymore which is yeah. nice i think there's definitely been some kind of egregious missed calls but yes i think if, if that's the case it's gonna take some grooming it's gonna take some learning from both sides of the refs and the players so i think as we go on we'll either notice it less or it'll happen less and as a whole, I, I like. I think it makes the game of basketball better that we're not having, you know, shooters knowing that they can just get a pump fake, get the guy in the air, and then they're guaranteed, you know, free throws no matter what they do. So, I, no, I, think I agree. It, at this point, I'm pretty happy with it. I want to see how it plays out in the playoffs because that's usually when that kind of mentality kind of disappeared a little bit, anyways. So I'm curious to see if it's if it'll hold true there or if it'll be a little too, like, too pro defense. But hey, we need some help for the defense. It's been an yeah, awesome game for the past couple of years. I haven't seen too many like uh, 
borderline cases yet where like I I've disagreed with calls. So it'll be kind of like the, the, um, you know, the jail dribble call where like you back into the guy when you're, when you've got him in jail and they were calling, you know, like that's a call that I absolutely want them to get right. But it's also a call where they could like, if you go too far the other way, you like break a really important mechanic. Like the, the jail dribble is like a really key technique so you like i'll be i i'm worried that it will hurt certain core things that we do like in the game because like we've seen rule changes this year in soccer like there are just things that guys aren't doing right now because they're going to get hurt if they try them because they're not being protected by the refs um Mm -hmm. my my hope is that this leads into uh the take fouls and transition being the next thing like can we just can we kill that forever? Um, I I know like I know that I'm the the like lone voice that's pro charges. Um, yes, very but much take right. but like I don't think anybody ever wants take fouls unless they're a player who actually uses take fouls. Like nobody wants that. And the G League has a rule against it. The Euro Leagues, everybody calls it the Euro foul. The Euro Leagues got rid of it like six years ago. It's like two shots in the ball now. So it's just an NBA foul now, and uh, we need to – it's got to go. Yeah, I think I saw that the NBA was like – that was one of the things they're going to talk about in the next you know, board of governors meeting or whatever. So I'm pretty sure I've seen you're not the only one uh, to kind of bring that up. That's kind of the next one they want to go through. So uh, we'll They could do it tomorrow, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't care. <laughs> like, okay. I wouldn't mind that at all. Just get rid of it already. It's <laughs> – uh, when we're watching the Pistons and they're like on their like – only open fast break of the game and they get take fouled. I'm just like, why we fuck these up anyways. Just let us have one. Just let us learn how to, you know, maybe get one of these, one of these times. All right. Uh, so let's go into to things you've seen from these last couple games. What do you got on your list? So the first thing I got to start out with is giving praise to my boy, Stu. I had, I feel like, especially I noticed in the beginning of the Bucks game, um, he was doing a great job of when he was setting the screen to getting to a spot where he was always making the pass easy for someone like, you know, Kate Cunningham playing his first couple of games as a piston in the NBA. Someone for like Killian Hayes who's still getting used to, you know, being an NBA player. It, it's something that, you know, we brought in, you know, Plumley back in the day to kind of do something like that. But I feel like Isaiah Stewart has really developed on that and is showing it, especially in the past week here, um, you know, getting where sometimes where he needs to go to the rim, kind of go with the, you know, the, the guard after the, after the pick or popping out a little bit to the side to kind of set up another easy pass or an easy cut after that. So just props to Isaiah Stewart. He's been really going after it and kind of, I would say advancing his offensive game in a way that we hadn't seen coming into this year. It's interesting. You say the Bucks game, cause I thought the Bucks game was like the worst he's played. Like I mean, <laughs> since I can remember, and that's not necessarily his fault. It's largely like it's the Bucks. Uh, he's not being set up in positions that I like, um, and and so it's it's just interesting you say that because I thought uh, that basically the Bucks kind of keyed on him a bit, and uh, we really mm-hmm. saw his limitations finishing because they just like didn't give him room around the rim and stuff. So. Yeah, I mean, you're playing a Bucks defense is going to be very difficult, and they're always going to swarm, especially at the rim. So, I think there was definitely some, you know, chances where it looked bad, like the end of the possession looked bad. But I was talking more about the build up to it, about him, 
you know, setting the screen and getting away and kind of making sure that he's got the space from the offensive or from the uh, ball handler there and was able to get to the hole. So obviously when you got someone like Giannis and his brother as well, like some very good interior defenders, it makes it a lot harder, but I think that's something that will show against some of the weaker teams um, on the interior defense. And this is one of the things that I've, I've mentioned on Twitter in the past, but it's really key to me that they get him moving downhill early in the play um, against like an unsettled defense. Uh, it's one of the reasons I don't love DHO stuff because the, like literally the process of, of executing a DHO, right? You screen and as you do, you bring the ball outside your, your frame, which invariably like twists your shoulders as you hand it off. And because of that, you have to bring yourself all the way back around and then start down the lane if you're going to roll coming up the DHO. And that, like, it, it's it's such a, like, simple biomechanical thing, but, like, it puts you behind the play a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if you're not in a position, especially, like, Stu looks best when he's able to slip screens. And, like, that's not something he can do every time, obviously. you got It's a situational thing, but you can't do it during DHOs. You, you just can't. Um, you can fake the the dribble if you want, um, or fake the handoff and go. We've seen uh, Andre Drummond did that a little bit, and we saw Mason Plumlee do that. But just like those kind of little things, like when he's when he's moving in the lane, uh, he's got much better explosion. Like he's just not a good standstill leaper. And so, like we saw last night, there were a couple of plays where like he got dump off passes, and they were just like three bucks around, and Giannis just like ate him alive. And he's just not built to complete those plays. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of hoping they run more true PNR for many reasons. One of them being, I think it just helps Stu when he's able to kind of control his destiny in the, in the role scenarios a little bit more. Yeah. I think that definitely um, helps out him as well as the ball handlers, like Killian Hayes or a Cade Cunningham more than you know, the dribble handoff kind of going around a couple of different people. It just like, it works great when someone's going to come out and like pop a shot, but I don't feel like, at this point in their careers, Cade or Killian are, you know, going to be the most aggressive with that. They want to keep going towards the hole. So definitely pro yeah. pick and roll. Um, so before we go into Cade, I got to give my guy Killian some love. These have been probably the best couple of games of his career. Uh, drew a couple of good shooting fouls against the Nets. We've seen him beat Kevin Durant off the dribble. We saw him beat Giannis Antetokounmpo off the dribble. Um I forget who else. Uh, he roasted James Harden off the dribble. Uh, he roasted Thanasis Antetokounmpo off the dribble. Uh, just like these are, you know, like the Giannis one from last night. Uh, you know, he didn't finish, but like he had shoulders ahead of Giannis under the rim, makes a kick out to Sadiq Bey, who swings it to Cade, who missed because Cade missed everything. But um, like we're just seeing a level of like first step and dribble craft from Killian that we saw in Europe. And we just like, I, I I've brought it up before, but literally like his first plays, I think in the NBA, like one of the first moments I remember, I think we played the Cavs and I don't remember if it was the opening preseason game or the opening game, but like Andre Drummond ate his shit alive, like three times in a row. And he just like immediately stopped challenging rim protectors. It was just like one of those things where I was like, that was probably not the ideal response from Killian. Mm-hmm. And I think he's had to like, you know, I think he overcorrected and tried to fade away from these guys. And he just, he's learning now, you know, and this is, 
this is he's in like game 30 or whatever it is you know like 28 yeah. something like that this is what you expect from a kid who's you know had 30 games right you expect these these growth points and it's weird because it's coming a year after we we hoped they were going to happen but you know to see him finally start to find some confidence finally start to be able to get downhill and you know by the way he's drawing contact you know he he's he was fading away in the bulls games and he's he's going into guys a little bit more um you know and he's hitting enough of the catch and shoot looks to be like okay yeah this isn't he's not going to just like scare everyone and make everyone sad from 3 anymore uh you know just like he's settling in in a way that's really nice to see he's still playing good defense i think he's actually cleaned up some help defense issues yeah, um definitely you know just like i I said last night, you know, we started this season, you know, just like six games ago. And like, I was keying in on like two big flashes a game. And we're getting like seven or eight flashes a game now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, hopefully in a couple of weeks, we're getting, you know, 15, 16 flashes a game. And, you know, a couple of weeks after that, it's like, oh, there's a flash a minute, you know, and then it's like, oh, actually, he's just playing well by the end of the season that, you know, if he progresses like that, and just keeps learning these lessons and finding these solutions to these problems. You know, I've said it before, the ideal Killian is a really fun player, a really great fit with the rest of this roster. Um, You know, so I just hope we keep seeing these flashes and that we keep putting them in positions to succeed because, you know, we could end up with something really fun. And frankly, we need something a little fun right now. Yep, yep. Yeah, I think, I mean, I feel like a broken record with it, but especially with Killian and Kate as well as he started and rest, like the rest of these young guys is they need time. They need time to develop in this league. Killian, especially coming from, you know, he was playing overseas. I still feel like that's a disadvantage to playing college ball in today's NBA, uh, that transition between the two. So it's going to take him a little bit like it's, he's getting up to speed. He's getting used to the game speed. You're seeing it more and more these flashes, you know, the, the, the drives that he has, the ability to get to the rim, like it's there. He's getting to that point. Now it's a matter of learning how to finish in the NBA, learning how to take contact in the NBA, learning how to draw fouls in the NBA. And that's going to take some time, but the Pistons have time. (laughs) And if he goes out there and he's shooting, you know, one for eight, but he's making really good drives and making really good decisions, so be it. You got to let him learn. He's a young guy. Let him develop because he's got the talent for it. So. Well, and you just mentioned something really big there. The Pistons have time. We've said it multiple (laughs) times on here. Said it on Twitter many times, uh, warned everyone many, many times. This season is a tanking season. These mm. Pistons are going to suck. Yep. They were on pace to be a 23-win team last year. Even if Cade is the best rookie we've ever seen, 30 games is like where that tops out. And mm. this roster I don't think is as good as last year's roster, at least to start last year. So yep. just, you know... Everyone has to understand it's tanking. And again, the priority when you're tanking is different that, you know, we're not talking about the starting lineup being, you know, winning players. It's not, we're not putting Kojo in the starting lineup or um, whatever to win games right now. That's not the point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Looking Um, at the Pistons upcoming schedule, (laughs) it could be a minute before we get the next win. Obviously next Wednesday, we're going to have a big game uh, playing at the Rockets which everyone's going to hype up. Is that the national televised Rockets game or is it a different one? I have no idea. But of course the Jalen Green versus Kate Cunningham, 
but it's <laughs> the Pistons do not have an easy you know stretch of schedule, and they don't look like a team right now that's going to go out and steal a game against a good team. I think there's a lot of problems, especially scoring the ball for the Pistons, and it's going to be a bit of a tough watch. But the good news is we have a lot of you know talented, promising rookies. Just give them an opportunity. Let's see how they grow throughout the year. Yeah. Um, I guess we we I want to bring this up as you bring up the offense. A uh, lot of bricked shots. We talked about the new oh ball earlier. Yep, that was my next thing. Yep. Uh, uh, I, I just want to posit one thing out here. I have been very critical of the offense. We're missing a lot of wide open shots. So and many part of shots. Me, part of me wants to know, like, do you think there's anything to like some of these shots being unexpected? Like guys are open, but they're not expecting the ball. And I just like, I don't know if that's a thing where the offense, you know, like Killian for some, for example, sometimes forces passes that aren't typical. And they're, you know, like Jeremy Grant right now is shooting like 0% off Killian passes. I haven't actually looked this up. It just feels like he's missed them all. Like, yeah, I don't, is he just not, expecting it like i don't understand why how you can miss this many open look he's open wide open i would say i like with the nba like if you're an nba player there's no unexpected pass the second the ball hits your hands and you're ready to shoot like that i take umbrage with that because killian threw a pass to uh jeremy down the left sideline uh, I think it was either the it was either Nets or Magic game, and Jeremy wasn't even looking, and everyone was like, "Ah, bad turnover, Killian." No, yeah. Jeremy was unguarded, running down the left wing. Either had a wide open three or a dunk, whichever one he wanted. Completely unguarded, and Killian threw the ball. It hit him in the shoulder where like he his like reception pocket would have been if he just turned and looked at the ball. And he just didn't look at the ball, and he was past the break in the three-point. Like, bruh, <laughs> pay attention. What are we doing? Yeah. No, that one I will put 100% on Jeremy. You can't, in a, in a situation like that, in any any NBA situation, you got to know where the ball is. Like, that's one-on-one right there. So, you know, maybe just maybe he saw someone in the crowd, you know, saw a girl, caught his eye, got distracted. <laughs> Stuff happens. <laughs> but yeah, I'm just wondering, do, you, do you have any theories? These, uh, why these shots are all missing? I think the Pistons are not, you know, a top-end shooting team already in the NBA combined with, you know, the, the new ball combined with, I don't know, there are like, a lot of I don't, I don't think like, but, like, if you, if you put down on paper, Cade Cunningham is hurt, but, like, Cade Cunningham was a 40% three-point shooter coming in. Um, Killian is currently, like, your best three-point shooter somehow. So, like, <laughs> I, I mean, he's... He's not the guy we expected, but he's the one that's overperforming. Uh, Jeremy Grant is like a 38% shooter or whatever he's supposed to be. Like yeah, He's been, supposed to be reliable. Uh, Sadiq Bey is supposed to be reliable. Sadiq Bey is supposed to be good. Kelly Olenek is supposed to be good. Frank Jackson is supposed to be good. Corey Joseph is supposed to be good. Um, so, like, there's actually a decent amount of shooting. And, like, guys are taking a high volume that are – 40% career shooters and are bricking the shit out of it. And I don't understand that. It, it is. It's definitely something I think is going to correct itself. Hopefully as the year goes on, do you want to know who our highest three point shooting? Uh, it's Trey Lyles. It's Trey Lyles. That's yeah. right. Trey Lyles. By, gang. by a big 
margin, actually, by like a huge volume of, of like attempts and makes, I think, too. Yeah, I think he's yeah. made like twice as many threes as the next person on the list. I do not think that. In terms of percentage-wise, yes, but not in terms of actual shots, I don't believe. He's putting up like six a game and actually hitting. I mean, he's eight for 23 in the year. Sadiq is 12 for 42, not great. Jeremy's 10 for 32, not great, but... <laughs> Maybe I'm thinking per it, it game. It seems like it. Yeah, I think you're thinking per game or something. Per game, he's um, looking pretty good. Yeah. Uh, my other theory, right, is that we've angered one of the old gods. The old gods. Like, like maybe maybe Zeus slept with the wrong person, and so Hera is just cursing our team. I like I I I I've said it before. I will find a goat. I will sacrifice a goat. You people just got to tell me which god. If if someone can do the investigation, I'll handle the goat slaughter. Okay. Maybe if we have just a, put it uh, out there. When we have a road trip down to like New Orleans, we can kind of get someone on this, <laughs> like a Charmin, to try and you know see what uh, what what we how we've angered the gods. We can get a Charmin. Fucking, fucking toilet paper. I can get some Charmin right now. I don't have to go to the New Orleans. Must be over that if we can get some Charmin. <laughs> my, my brain went nine tenths the way to that. It was almost. It almost made the connection. <laughs> Got distracted. Oh, all right. Let's let's get to the big one here. Uh, how, how do you feel about Cade Cunningham so far? I mean, he has. Definitely shown signs of why he was picked where he was picked. His comfort on the ball is a little bit, honestly, above where I expected. He seems, you know, very comfortable taking the ball. You know, going off a screen, he had a beautiful pass for a Jeremy Grant three in the Bucks game. He, I mean, the talent is there, the skill is there. He just, just like with every other piston, we're cursed and we haven't been able to make any open shots. <laughs> I think it's been literally his, zero of nine so in that box game, which is really rough. <laughs> yeah, it was. Oof, it was brutal. So many and so many were open shots too. Which yeah, I mean that that was. I didn't. I didn't actually have a problem with him going over nine. I mean, it's disappointing, obviously, but like, yeah. I didn't mind that he kept shooting because he didn't let it. Uh, change his mindset and like he didn't take heat check threes to try and get back into it. Like it was just like, ah, Cade's open. Yeah. Like that's yeah, the shot like, he should take. I and it like just so happened shots, that we created nine of them. <laughs> yeah. I felt like all the shots came within the flow of the offense, which is good to see that he's getting the ball to shoot that many times. It's just shit wasn't going in and shit wasn't going in in his first game. So, I mean, <laughs> I think Pistons fans, I would say, don't overreact to it. It's, it's shooting the basketball. He's a good shooter. It'll go in at some point. I like the intangibles yeah, I, that he brought. I, I definitely like feel like... I, I definitely felt like after about miss two or three, like we could see very visibly like him start to like tweak his shot, like mid-shot to like try and correct for things. And just like, yeah, he was in his head about it. Like, you know, I think the bigger concern for me is that he ended up being two of fourteen on the game, and nine of them were three for the Bucks game anyway. So that means he only took five shots in the two point range. Yeah. So like we just, uh, you know, I want to see him driving. I, I do think um, in that second half he he was a little more uh, in like I think it was the third quarter coming out of the the third quarter where he had um, it was like just him. 
you know, uh, or maybe it was at the fourth quarter. I can't remember. I, I'm really bad at that. Um, I'm looking at my my uh, chart right now. So it was the uh, it was to come out of the fourth quarter. It was just him and the bench guys. Mm. And I feel like in that uh, area, he came out and was just like a little more physical. That was where he had the one offensive foul that was an absolute bullshit call. Yeah. Oh my god. Yes. Um. And like I, I feel like he was just like dribbling and, and you know passing and, and just generally like yeah this starts to look more like the Cade we expect um, you know when he was able to just do stuff by his own he was I think he really was uh, running some pick and rolls by himself there at some points so uh, you know that definitely felt more like the guy we expect mm-hmm. yeah and I like how much it seems like Casey trusts him in the offense. It was something that, you know, with Dwayne Casey, you're never quite sure what you're going to get with a rookie. Um, but, yeah, it seemed like they trust him a lot. And, you know, there's going to be some rough patches. He hadn't, you know, he hadn't, like, played an NBA game in a month. He hadn't he hadn't been with us up to this point. Everyone else is kind of into their, like, they've been in the mindset of playing games for a couple weeks. So, it'll take him a little while to catch up to that. And he missed, what, all of preseason as well? He played two games in the summer league, missed all of camp, and, like, I think he got hurt in, like, day two of camp. Yeah, he got hurt pretty early in camp. So, I know, I'm pretty sure he missed all the summer league games, too, so. No, he he had two two summer league games. He had two summer league games, and he sat the other two. Yeah. Do you think he had Uh, any lingering effects of the ankle injury in the game? Did you notice anything you thought was off? I didn't didn't see any explosion issues. Um there was some footage of him in the 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 Nets game, like coming off the bench and looking like he was limping a bit. So I, I don't know. I was soreness. I was very frustrated with the fact that he started the Magic game with a minutes restriction. They didn't even play him to the full minutes restriction. Then they sat him out yeah. the back to back, which just like I, I get being cautious, but that's very bad vibes to not play a minutes restriction out. Yeah. Uh, Especially when it's an ankle injury, because there's like a lot of things that you can like come back and like you have to work it like knee injuries, right? You, you're just not the same until you've played like six months worth of basketball after you get cleared. Mm-hmm. Um, ankles, you're just like not supposed to move on until you're like ready. Because yeah. if you if your ankle's not stable and you have another injury, like it just compounds the issue dramatically. Uh, so it's just weird that they would. I, I, I didn't get that. Um, yeah, I think I just... You assume they're the, smarter than I am about this stuff, but it just... Those are always too, red flags for me. I wasn't too upset with the, like, the minutes restriction uh, for the Magic game, like how they didn't play them to the full 25. I think it was up more, it's like they were already up in the game and they just didn't want to bring the starters, like, back in um, in the fourth quarter. And they were just content. They didn't want to bring them in to play with you know, Frank Jackson and Kojo and Olenek and whoever else are going to throw out I mean, there. I'm, so I thought, I'm mad Killian Hayes isn't getting those minutes. I'm not that mad that yeah, Cade Killian isn't getting those minutes. Those, those should be Killians. But I was just like, why? You told us 25, well. you played him 20. You were very clearly like a structured segment up to that 20. And like they very clearly left six minutes for another stint and just didn't play it, which is just mm-hmm. weird to me. Yeah, and then the, the last six minutes I, in the just, game was my thought. It's just orange flags. I don't like it. Um, but I, I did think it was interesting that like he came out and the magic were like, we're trapping this. 
Like, yeah. They were like, immediately just, we're, we're trapping this. We don't want him to, to play make on us. Uh, you know, like guys seem to respect him a lot. We've already seen a couple of those flashes where like, you know, this is Cade at his processing best where, you know, there was the one um, where he ran a pick and roll with Kelly Olynyk, and like he just waited at the top of the key and kind of like faked it to Kelly. A corner man came down because Kelly had a uh, switch on him. And so mm-hmm. he faked it to Kelly to like post up and the corner man rotated early on Kelly and he just skipped it right to the corner shooter. And I think they bricked it uh, because they brick everything. It's a safe assumption. <laughs> But it was just like those are the kind of things where like he's a step ahead and you're just seeing it. I, I do think there's been a couple things where he's um, like been kind of shocked at NBA length. Uh, it doesn't help when you're playing the Magic and the Bucks, Bucks yeah, who are like two, two teams two that teams. just like fetishize length because they both have the same GM that fetishizes length. Um, what is that? Horst? Is that the guy? Horst, 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 Horst. I don't know something like that. One of those things. Um, but like, there, there will definitely be a learning curve there. Uh, I, I was laughing pretty good when Cade defended Giannis on a drive and like tried to give him the little hip check that he gave guys in college, <laughs> and Giannis was like, "What?" And Cade ended up like on the floor sprawling, and it was just like, "Yeah, you." Just a, a reminder that you are uh, welcome to the NBA. You're six six in the NBA, and uh, Giannis is seven feet tall, and probably the greatest player development success story we've ever seen. Oh my god! Watching him play is astounding. Just some it's of the blocks incredible. he had was like it's not fair. <laughs> no, uh, he, uh, I, he's just one of those guys where it's like he can win MVP basically any year and I'm not going to be mad about it. Like he's yep. just the, the talent Giannis has, you know, uh, the, the uh, setting aside the, the skills, right. You talk about just like the tools, you know, the size, the wingspan, but also like we're talking about a guy who's a crazy explosive athlete, who's also an incredibly flexible person who's managed to put on like 60 pounds of muscle, over the course of his career, you know, just like the, the, the tool set he has would automatically just be like, here's an all-star. Yep. And then he just happens to be a great passer, a great finisher, you know, a, just a, a exceptional defender, you know, like he's just, uh, he, he's not only talented, he's also really skilled, really smart. You know, basically the only thing he doesn't do is shoot pull-up threes at a high rate. No, oh, by the way, he's gotten way better at that. You know, oh, by the way, he, the last he, finished, he finished three for seven against the Pistons from three. So his stat line like, was in 26 minutes, he had 28 points, nine assists, eight boards, and four blocks. <laughs> like, he does it all. He's, I would argue he's one of the most all-around, you know, players ever in NBA history. I mean, we get, we get a couple guys play. like him, you know, in a, in every now and then in a generation. You know, we get the Wilt, and then you get a guy like the Dream or KG, you know, and just like every now and then you get the random one. And he just happens to be the guy for this generation, even more so than someone like LeBron. And it's yeah. just, it's incredible. 
And God bless how, you know, global the game is for pulling him out of somewhere like Greece, where, you know, 20 years ago, he wouldn't get seen. He wouldn't be, he wouldn't be in the NBA. He wouldn't be the player he is today. So it, it's the beauty of the game and the globalization that's happening. So that's a whole nother point we could talk for, you know, a long time. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we could. Um, I did think it was interesting. We've, we saw Cade, um, the defense was there right away. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. um, I don't think he he had this interesting thing. I think we talked about this in like the draft era. Um, the one thing he struggles at defensively is going around screen, uh, screens. And it was interesting. His new technique is to like get down in like a skiing stance where he like brings like his both legs come through in like a really slim, like bent knee stance. So like, you know, like normally you're taught to like put your butt on the guy's hip and like uh, slide over, right? Step mm-hmm. over the, the screener's leg if you can. And Cade's like, I'm going to chase and like gets, it's just like a really interesting thing. Um, and it worked really well in terms of like staying connected through screens, except that he kept getting guys just like step back on him and all his momentum was like turned yeah, funny. So it's just an interesting yeah. technique thing. Where like if he was trailing a driver, he'd be fine. But as soon as they step back, he's not. So uh, it'll be interesting because I think um, we've seen Killian defend point guards for the most part. Yep. But I think you want Killian defending whoever is you know receiving the most screens, especially on the ball. Um, they really struggled um, mostly due to mismatches with uh, Cade and Sadiq on any kind of off-ball shooting in the Bucks game. Um, uh, Pat Connaughton mm-hmm. was just like, you know, just flaring all over the place on them. So something they got to they gotta clean up. Um, a, a big topic we got to hit on is the transition offense. Um, what the fuck <laughs> are they doing? Still, yep. I, I don't. I, it's unfathomable to me how terrible they are at basic transition offense. Guys aren't filling lanes correctly. Guys aren't running hard. Guys aren't passing to open people. You know, how many times do we have to watch Killian come down the lane, get a steal in transition? He's got four people on him, and there's one person that's crossed half court with him. And it's just like, what? You, you, this team is built to be a pretty good transition team. Now, like, not as good as the Bucks because they, again, have Giannis. But, like, there's just been a couple of times where it's like, why are we not doing this? And I know Casey was asking, um, I believe, again, James Edwards said that he'd, he'd express some frustration that guys weren't filling lanes correctly. But it's like, mm-hmm. this isn't about lane filling. Like, there needs to be, you know, this is a uh, – transition is, is still a structured offense. And, and – um, you know, like the North Carolina thing, right? The the coming out of transition and into that semi-transition, those first actions is a structured thing. And we seem to be getting turnovers more often than we get buckets in transition. It just, that cannot be a thing. Yeah, I, I think a lot of it boils down to, I think, I think people are very uncomfortable on where they should be going right now. There seems to be, at least from them, most in transitions, it feels like, Everyone's trying to run out towards the three-point line, and there's never anyone going to the hole. And while, yes, having someone out at the three-point line, especially in the corners and the fast break, is very important, if 
you're ahead of the guy with the ball. You should be going to the hole. And I don't know, I don't know if it's something that, you know, Casey wants the guy with the ball to be going towards the hole and you to be transitioning behind them or what, but it's just, they just seem kind of lost out there on fast breaks and just, they're not seeming to get in the right spots and people are doubling up on places where there should be only be one. And it's, I don't know, it's weird balance. And I just, like we've said before, it, don't, it doesn't make sense. I mean, they, they yeah. have troubles defensively in transition. They have troubles offensively in transition this should be the easy stuff. Uh, you know, this should be the kind of thing you spend two, you know, walkthroughs, you know, running them in transition a couple times and you're fixed. You know, this isn't, again, this isn't running North Carolina offense where you're like instituting a system. It's like, hey, Frank Jackson, you're supposed to be a 40% three-point shooter. Why are you running level with the defenders just like down the side of the lane? Like either hit the rim or hit the corners. What are we doing? I, I, it, it's a big problem for me. It's very frustrating. Um, the other frustrating thing we got to talk about is the ISO bullshit. Uh, it's just like, we, we had a couple of like things from this last game where like, we'd come down, we'd set something up, you know, Kate or Killian would, would actually make a, a good move. We'd get some ball movement going, and it would hit the corner, and Jeremy Grant would take seven dribbles. <laughs> and it was like we had a no-dribble offense going, and it was moving. The defense was moving side to side. Jeremy had an advantage. You get two dribbles, right? If you can't finish off two dribbles, you should have drawn help because you had two dribbles. Move it. And I just – I don't – I don't really get again what the priorities are here. Yeah. And if it's, yeah, I mean, there's just a lot of times, even when it's like kicked out to Jeremy Grant and he's an amazing finisher and, you know, he makes up for some times when, when he over dribbles the ball, but at the same time, there's a lot of times it's kicked out to him and he doesn't take the immediate shot. He like does a pump fake. Then the defender doesn't jump on it. It sticks with him. And Jeremy goes and takes like four dribbles towards the hole and either takes a fade away or something like that, or, tries to quick pass off someone else. Yeah, I would say Jeremy especially seems to be a little in his he, head. He and Sadiq, him. it's just like, what, why? Why are we taking, like, you know, it's one thing to say you have the skill to do that. That's mm-hmm. that's totally valuable. We, we appreciate that. It is important that you can isolate on anyone and get yourself, you know, a shot. You're doing this with 10 seconds left on the clock. Yeah. Like this, these are not clock beaters. These are not, you know, um, end of the quarter. We need you to create, you know, a forty percent look with three seconds left. Like th- this is regular offense. Mm-hmm. It, we, yeah. it, we just need better, and there's not really anything else to say. Um, yeah, and, that's one of the things and, that frustrates me about watching, say, this Pistons team as opposed to, like, I watched some Trailblazer games recently, and seeing the way the ball moves in that offense in gets to the open man and then, oh, they're going to, CJ's going to pass it over the Dame for a shot up top. Just stuff like that, that I feel like the ball keeps moving a lot more and if the Pistons, it does seem to just sit more than it should. And that's something that's frustrating from a young team, and especially a yeah. bad team. I mean, and we, I, I feel bad saying that because uh, Jeremy put up 21 points on 13 shots last night. So, I mean, he had a really hot game mm-hmm. in general. Um you know, which is no small feat against the Bucks either, for the record. 
but just like it's not sustain, sustainable stuff. It's not good process. You know, we see Sadiq Bey do the same thing, and he's got four points on 13 shots. So, yeah. um, you know, and again, I just look at Dwayne Casey, and it's just like, why is this okay? Like, those are the kind of thing. Those are the kind of things where you're you expect the coach to pull you out of the game and give you the uh, the Patrick Ewing speech. You know, <laughs> what is that shot? Did you practice that shot? One legged, one legged step back. <laughs> when? When did you practice that shot? You know, that's that's what you expect. And like, we're taking like eight of them a game. Yeah. <laughs> just like, too many. And it's one thing if you you know you come up the floor and Jeremy's calling for an ISO, he knows he can beat his guy. And like, you kind of stop the offense, see if you can get it. If not, start the offense. But it's just so often where it's like you can see them passing it around. And then it just gets the corner to Sadiq or Jeremy, and it just it's there. <laughs> they're going to make their move, and they're going to score, or they're going to try and pass it off at the last second. Yeah, you get very uh, you have you you end up knowing exactly what it's like when uh, when we watch soccer and like the tricky winger gets it, and you're just like he's going <laughs> to cut inside and shoot. Like there's not like they cut inside man. Like Le- Leroy Sané is not doing anything other than running at you. And, you know, that's just what's going to happen. You know, Nicola Pepe wants to get on his left foot to whack in a cross. We know it's going to happen. Or to whack in a shot, I should say. We know it's going to happen. You know, and it's just like too much of it. Um, Mm -hmm. One of the other things we got to bring up, um, I will will say this. uh, The Pistons have taken the 16th most three-pointers. They've made the 28th. They have the 30th three-point percent, but they have taken, like, they are getting threat shots. I've got complaints about the offense that we can save for another podcast because there will be many of them throughout the year, and we can talk about the nuances of it later. Um, But that at least is, like, there is some light at the end of the tunnel where I think if you were to, like, uh, second spectrum tracks, like, the expected shot percentage for each shot, like based on who's shooting it and how open they are and all that jazz. And like, I think if you were to give second spectrum last night's shot profiles, they would have been like, Oh, you guys should have made, you know, like 22 of the 47 shots. Like mm-hmm. I I think there's like still hope that this team can be like functional on offense, assuming they get this crazy cold streak under control. Um, it may not be the offense I want, but like, just, you know, that's the thing. They are also drawing a decent amount of free throws, which has been good. So, um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I feel like some of the things we talked about the prior week, especially in terms of three-point shooting, it hasn't improved in terms of the shots made, but at least they're taking more. So, baby steps. All right. Uh, one of the other things to, to look at, I guess, is the Pistons are ninth in steals, 14th in blocks, just generally creating a decent amount of turnovers. Um, that's been a positive, um, I don't know that it's, it's hard to have an ideal perspective on all this. So one last thing I do want to talk about is to give uh, a quick props to, uh, Bally sports. I, for the first time I used their, uh, replay, replay feature to watch the, uh, was the Nets game back, um, on my computer and it was very well done. Very simple props to them. Really nice. Really nice. Wait, what? They have a re- what? What is this? 
yeah, they have a replay a game, re, replay games feature, so you can watch games. I think up to the past week in broadcast, like the full beginning and after broadcast. So, like, what? Where is this? Just Bali Sports, and then click on your team if you're signing with your uh, TV provider. That's included. Um, you can watch the replays of the games. Oh, that's huge. <laughs> I'm happy I brought it up for you. <laughs> I didn't know you didn't know that. I, I, so, uh, a peek behind the curtain here. Uh, I, I have charter uh, uh, TV and stuff. And so, I stream charters like TV app is how I stream. Because I used to stream with Fox Sports app, which had... Um, like little, the ability to like rewind a few seconds of stuff. So like I was able to, I liked that better. I was able to keep track of the game better because one of the downsides to clipping is that I'm editing clips and stuff during the game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I generally try and do it uh, like during commercials and stuff or, or free throws, whatever. But like, you know, I, I only have like one and a half eyes on the game sometimes. And sometimes <laughs> you miss shit. And like, Usually what happens is I just, I, I hit my clip button. I use like a game highlight clipping service. So like it's, I clip um, the last 45 seconds. I think it is, it'll clip. Um, and that's usually enough is like, I hear Greg and George be like, Oh, you know, Killian Hayes with the shot. And I'm like, what, what? <laughs> uh, I, I didn't see what happened. So I'll like, I'll hit my, my little key bind and I'll clip it. But like uh, part of the problem that I have is just that like the charter, broadcast only broadcasts in 720p oh so like the clips i get are not as crisp as i would like Uh, and part of that is the twitter compression and part of it's that the charter app is not uh ideal for this and so having another option especially one where i can get you know clips uh i'm assuming these would be higher resolution and therefore um Therefore, maybe I would have like, uh, you know, better clips and stuff. And, and obviously I'd be able to go back like that is actually a big advantage. Also, I don't know about you, but some of those games that are on the West Coast, uh, the the 10 o'clock tips, some of us have to wake up before 7 a.m. in the morning. Those are a trial. <laughs> uh, the ability to watch the second half the next day is uh appreciated so i uh that's a a very important tip thank you very much i'm here for the people yeah and i use their app as well when i was in dc and the app is pretty well pretty well designed and pretty easy to use as well yeah all right um that was good we are excited for cade hopefully the audio on this one isn't too shit i'll find out when i edit it in the next couple minutes here my apologies Uh, it's uh, always chaos here at the Busted Header. Um, we'll be back to our normal we'll... uh, audio levels next week. And if anyone is happening to go see the Pistons, I hope to be there tomorrow night, the, the time of this recording, um, against the 76ers. So I get to root them out in person and see Cade. Hopefully, hopefully you've person. got a Cade. It wouldn't be a back-to-back, right? So It's not a back-to-back now. But it is a back-to-back the, night, the next night, so... So every time somebody misses, I just need you to scream, Be gone, Hera! Out of the crowd, okay? I'm <laughs> some decent seats, so hopefully you can, hopefully you can hear me. <laughs> I, I, just need, I just need some sauce. Uh, where do I sacrifice the goat? That's how I know it'll be you. Damn Esot- you, Zeus! Just, just esoteric Greek mythology references, okay? <laughs> Sounds good.
<laughs> All right. We'll see everybody next week. Bye-bye. Bye now. Today's music was made by Blank and Kit. You can find a link to their music in the description.